Hi, and welcome to episode three of The Book Cart. I'm Kristen. I'm Heidi. And I'm Michelle. Today we're going to be talking about all things STEM um, within our district, our campuses, and within our libraries. And today we have two special guests. We have Mr. Hugh Burke, a TISD digital learning coach. Hello, thank you for having me. And we have Miss Kayla DeBaker, who is a Project Lead the Way launch instructor, and she's our KP STEM coordinator. Hello, everyone. All right. Well, first of all, thank y'all for taking time to talk with us today about STEM and all the initiatives we have going on in Temple ISD. So let's start with Hugh. Can you please talk to us a little bit about how we do STEM in our district and kind of how that came about? Sure thing. First of all, thank you so much for having me on the book cart. This is fantastic. I am a huge fan of libraries, librarians. Libraries are like some of the happiest places in the world. So yeah, they are. <laughs> this is a great podcast. It's an honor to be a part of it. Um, so yeah, STEM, I think Temple, you know, in conversations recently with folks here in Temple ISD, we've kind of spoken about how Temple as a town is rooted in STEM. You know, there's like a, the train industry, the medical industry. Absolutely. You know, there's there's a lot of just inherently STEM qualities about Temple. And our Department of Digital Learning recently started to say to ourselves, you know, what more can we do in our school system here to get STEM learning experiences available to kids? And so um, we started to network and talk to some like-minded folks around the district and we realized almost immediately that there's a lot of great stuff already happening. And so this year, um, we were given the green light to just sort of um, support that momentum and drive things for, you know, forward. Uh, we created a focus group. We've brought in some community and industry folks like um, Temple College, a NASA representative, um, just some people that you know we want to get involved. And what we've seen happen is it's just sort of spurred things on even further. Yeah. And so, I mean, there's clubs that are popping off at different campuses, like coding clubs, robotics clubs, um, throughout elementaries and middle schools, um, things like that. But even more exciting is a lot of the things that are happening here at KP, also at Thornton and at Meredith, where we're seeing STEM embraced in core classrooms, you know? Yeah. And that's, that's also happening up in the middle school as well, where, you know, science, mostly science and math, which is kind of understandable at first, but even in some reading classrooms, teachers are saying, you know, how can I do an engineering design challenge that connects to what we're learning right now? Sure. So that's just, that's just where we're at right now is this is kind of like our pilot year where we just want to find those people that are willing and get them what they need and support them. Awesome. Well, let's hear from Kayla a little bit so she can talk about what happens on campuses and then Hugh will bring it back to you and you can tell us kind of maybe what the future looks like. So Kayla, um, Kayla and I work together at KP, so I am well aware of all the wonderful things she does here, but go ahead and walk us through kind of what STEM looks like at here at KP. Thank you, Kristen. Um, I really can't take full credit for it. First off, this was something that has been at KP for at least the past 10 years. Um, it started with the previous STEM teachers, um, Mayor Beth Brown, John Woodward, 
and I've just built off of what they already have. Talk to them. Uh, tell our listeners about what Project Lead the Way is, it's specifically yes. launch for our elementary campus. Yes, of course. So Project Lead the Way launch is a STEM curriculum that KP piloted about 10 years ago. Um, John Woodward started it, and then Mayor Beth Brown built off of it for that. And it's just curriculum that's focused on STEM. And it includes a lot of reading and ELR in there as well. And it started off just in our science lab, and now it's trickled all the way into our classrooms. And KP is is just flourishing, like flourishing in it. Um, We have every teacher does it once a semester. It's called a module or a unit once a semester. And... It's just, the kids love it. It's it's all laid out there for you, so you're not having to search for the curriculum. Um, the resources are there. It's hands-on, real-life problems that students are trying to solve. And KP has, for the past five years, been awarded the Distinguished Launch nomination yeah, for Yeah, I that. was going to ask you to talk more about that. That's yeah. really cool. Well, and I have a question because at the middle school level, it looks very different. So <laughs> are you taking the teacher's kids for a little bit or is the teacher coming and y'all are doing a co-teach STEM activity? What does that look like? So it's changed over the years. It first started in the science lab and then it trickled to co-teaching with teachers and the science lab combined and now for the past about three years it's been to the classroom teachers do their own module I just provide the resources for them or anything any support that they need and then I do my own separate modules with the students during extra activities rotation that's so cool thank you do you have a favorite project so far Oh gosh, that's hard. (laughs) Some of the projects that I enjoy are like uh, Kinder's doing a float, building um, boats and learning about the states of matter. And it trickles up to, I love second grades, save the ice pops, to all the way to fourth grade, trying to save an egg from a car crash. So they're designing a seatbelt. Oh, that's so cool. So, yeah, it's very cool. Do you take these projects home for your own kids? I do. I (laughs) test them out. (laughs) I have two boys at home, and if there's a project, especially for kinder level, because they're around that age, I like taking it home and testing it out on them, and they love it too. (laughs) Kayla, talk a little bit about the STEM days that we have here at KP. Um, I believe they're once a month on Fridays. That's correct. So Hugh Burke and I, we've been, like he said, we're piloting STEM a little more and seeing where we can go with STEM. And this year we decided to do a STEM day once a month. And instead of just doing STEM, like I said, in my classroom, in the science lab, it's pushing it out to the classroom teachers. And once a month during their win time, they put one time on hold and they do a STEM challenge for that during their one time scheduling. And so the whole school participates for the day, and sometimes we're doing the same challenge, K through five, and sometimes they get to choose. It depends on what each grade level wants to do, but the kids love it because it's themed, like recently was Thanksgiving theme, we're looking forward to Christmas, so yeah. And Hugh, you're on campus the whole day for that? 
I not the entire day, but I've been involved in like you know making the challenges available to teachers, getting the ideas set up, helping with planning, and I think I want to kind of echo something that Kayla said, and that's like every kid having the access point to some sort of a challenge is something that I don't think we can stress enough about STEM. I heard it said in an interview recently with uh, a guy who grew up through the school system and now he's like, I think he owns like a drone company that he makes available to school systems throughout the country. And he mentioned, you know, as a middle schooler, he remembers the experience of of being labeled. You know, he I think he had like some sort of a, special education label of some kind, but he remembers those moments when he was given an opportunity to do something STEM and it felt totally different because now it was like some sort of a challenge that he could meet in whatever his unique way was to meet it, you know? And I think that's what's really special and exciting about STEM is um, these problems are often rooted in something that kids understand, like everyday stuff, like a seatbelt, for example. Everybody knows that that's something that we need. And to put them in the, in the driver's seat, if you will, to uh, figure out how to make something new, that's, that's a powerful place to put a kid in. So, um, yeah, I just, think, I just think we can't stress that enough. It's, it's a good way for kids to learn. It's a really exciting way. And I'd like to add that what I like about that activity is that it doesn't sound like there's much technology involved. STEM can be anything, anything. It doesn't have to be electronic. It doesn't have to be digital. It doesn't have to have a battery. I mean, it seriously is just making something and changing it That's right. to be what you need it to be. That's exactly right. Mm-hmm. You know, something we stress in the library, and I know um, the three of us can attest to this, is, you know, we're teaching 21st century skills, and that doesn't have to require a computer. I mean, those <laughs> are higher level thinking, that's problem solving, and I think that just is really what our kids need to learn. Yeah, yeah. I'm so glad you mentioned those those 21st century skills, because that's promoting those is what we're doing when we're when we're given these challenge-based problem-based things mm-hmm. to kiddos so yeah that's very true Kayla I'm gonna put you on the spot again talk about the showcase that you just had so last night we had a stem showcase at Kenny Powell um, it it's very similar if you've ever been to a science fair it it's run similar to that but it's focused on what students have accomplished with Project Lead the Way with their projects, so they're sh- able to show their parents their final projects. But it was also bringing in a lot of different hands-on STEM activities for them and getting their, showing it to their families. I know a lot of them talk about going home, being excited about what they've learned about doing STEM days, and so this allowed families to see what is exactly STEM. We're saying this word, what is it exactly? And I heard a lot of families going, oh, we do that all the time. Oh, yes, it's great. It wasn't really anything new for them. It was just maybe a new terminology. Um, Last night went well. We had over 60 families come and join us. And like I said, we had activities involving making a lava lamp to building a structure to save a turkey, like a cage for a turkey. Um, just using marshmallows and noodles from at home. And then we added some technology in there with some robots. Um, Hugh Berg was kind enough to let us use his 
Spiro? Mm-hmm. Spiro robots. Mm-hmm. And we added some paint to them and they just rolled around. So if you ever done like a marble, added marble paints and had them roll around in a box, it was very similar to that. So they had a lot of fun. If I'm able to, I will see if I can insert a picture of yes. that um, in our in our notes. So let's talk about kind of STEM and literacy. Okay, so I know our librarians um, here within TIST do a really great job, and um, we've kind of talked about this um, kind of off to the side. Michelle and I, um, we presented at a conference, and something that they were really pushing forth was using literature for nonfiction. So let's talk a little bit about that. So the most important thing, um, literary-wise, is that you know, we want to get the nonfiction piece out there, but so many times kids don't want to just sit there and read the, this is a horned toad. They don't want to do that. And so there's this new literary nonfiction that is written in story format, but it's actually giving the nonfiction um, facts, and it's just awesome. So the ones that we've used at my campus are The Crayon Man by Natasha Bebo and Pop, The Invention of Bubblegum by Megan McCarthy. And they were just so much fun because, you know, kids have never really thought about, oh, where did that come from before? And so they had so much fun with Pop, The Invention of Bubblegum because they didn't realize that before bubblegum, or what we know as bubblegum, it was this white thing that was not sweet and people used it to clean their teeth. And so, you know, somebody decided, let's make it a fun color, let's try out some flavors, and it was actually by accident that we actually have the pink bubblegum that we have. And so then, you know, they each got their own piece, they got to try to blow bubbles, some of them had no clue how to do it, so they tried to teach each other, and then we had a contest to see who blew the biggest bubble, and it was just, it was just fun. So I was doing a little research before uh, we decided to get together and record, and I came across an article by RTI International, and um, it really just heralds everything that we're doing in the library and everything that we're doing here in TISD. But one thing that I really loved, and I will um, add this article in our notes, and it says, another example is using the engineering design process to design a product or to improve the experience of a character in a children's book such as designing a home to withstand the big bad wolf or creating an indestructible chair for Goldilocks. So that is a wonderful way to take kind of the traditional way that we look at literature and put a STEM spin on it um, to help kids kind of come up with, you know, creative solutions. What do y'all think? Kristen, can I add real quick? I love hearing about the three little pigs. And I just want to add that Project Lead the Way has a kinder module that focuses solely on that. And they have to build a house and try and have a fan blowing. And every STEM Day project we do, we always try to add literature and a story behind it. And I love that. That is so cool. So, um, Heidi, I know you do a few STEM things at your middle school, so let's talk about that. So, I would say the biggest one that we do at Bonham is we use breakout EDU boxes, and we can link that in our notes as well for those of you that are not familiar. I guess it was last year I borrowed one of the breakout boxes from the high school just to kind of test it out in my library, and it was a math-related escape room. Um, and it was Halloween themed, so I used it for one week in October, 
And the kids went nuts. They had never had to think about problems the way that this escape room forced them to think about problems. And then some of the teachers latched on and I told them, oh, yeah, you know, I got the 10 day free trial and there are breakout escapes for every subject, every topic. And I showed them and they were like, oh, well, we want to schedule and come in. So I went to... Which is what we want them to do. Uh, yes, absolutely. So I went to my principal and I said, hey, guess what? The teachers have really latched on to this idea and I want to foster that. And so we found a way to get the money to pay for a school-wide subscription. So every teacher had access to the platform. And we, with that, we received 10 breakout EDU boxes that come with all of the locks and the boxes and little pieces to try different clues like a um those red lenses where you can find the secret codes and so with that I started partnering with my science department and my social studies department um not all the math teachers had quite fallen in love with the idea yet they just weren't ready for your vision yet they'll come along well they did this year and so seventh grade math has been hitting me up a lot this year saying like hey we're doing this unit do you have any breakout boxes for that and one thing i did is sometimes the breakout boxes don't match the teaks because they are made by anyone in the country and so I've told my teachers, you know, find one that's close to what you want, or if you don't find one at all, I can make anything. We have the pieces. And so I've made a lot of breakout boxes for my teachers. And then we started incorporating something called the light box, which those are online interactive eBooks. And those are in our Destiny platform. And every student can open a box, the light box, at the same time. And so then I started using the material in the light boxes to create clues that the students had to solve to get the combinations to break out of the um, breakout EDU boxes. I just, I mean, y'all correct me if I'm wrong, but that is kind of the definition of blended learning. I mean, you're bringing all the pieces in. Yeah, yeah. And one of the, just listening to you talk about the, Bubblegum invention and breakout edu and this article reference. It to me, another super powerful thing about STEM is it integrates all of these different content areas. It's an it's a great glue, you know, to bring math, science, social studies, reading all together into one common challenge or common problem that the kids are working on. And so sometimes it's difficult to find ways to do that, you know. But you start seeing these departments in a middle school campus aligning behind a vision where you start seeing elementary teachers that are math science or elar social studies working together and designing a challenge that pulls in their content i mean that's another really powerful thing about stem that i think is really good absolutely and um, i know michelle you have some clubs i'd like you to talk about and then we'll hand it over to kayla and she can talk about some of her stem clubs so i do have some clubs and what's interesting is you know my, um, my club that sticks out in my head as being STEM is my coding club. Um, I have coding critters, we have a mouse bot, we have Bloxels where they create their own video games. And then when I was talking about things with y'all, they were like, oh, what about the sewing club? And yeah, you're right, sewing club can fit in with STEM for sure. You know, in my head, I'm still stuck in the makerspace era. And so I see it as a for sure makerspace, but I never really 
realized until today when y'all said it that it's part of STEM. Um, they're measuring, they're um, creating. Mm-hmm. I had a little boy in GT that had to make an invention for Mars for us to go and live there. And he wanted to make a box with a, um, a conveyor belt that will take the uh, dehydrated food and then go through the box and then make it at, at like a, a meal that you can actually eat, ready to eat, and it actually tastes good. And so he wanted to sew the conveyor belt. And genius, cool. genius. Like these kids are great. Very Jetson-y of him. I know, right? <laughs> and they've never even watched it. Yeah. So I have the sewing club, we have coding club, and I, I think those are probably the only two um, that are STEM right now, but I mean, my campus does have a STEM club that meets after school, and our computer person does that, and they just do so much fun things with circuits and other things. So, you know, hopefully we'll get some of that too. So at KP, we also have some clubs. Um, I, for years, we've done a robotics club. We have a bunch of VEX kits. And so it's very easy to integrate for third through fifth grade. They just come after school and they, they always think of it as Legos. They're building with Legos. And it's very similar to that. But they're building robots and then they get to move them around with the remote control like a video game. And then this year, I had a lot of teachers especially in the lower grades in first and second, asking if there could be a club for them too. Um, They've been asking for the lower grades, really want a club as well. So I started in the morning a junior STEM club, and they come in the morning. Many of them have their breakfast with them, and they're just being little engineers. They're building with all different kinds of materials. And I let them choose, sometimes there's assignment, but they just have fun for that 20, 30 minutes to build. And then next semester, we're hoping to, well, keep those two going, and the next semester we're hoping to add a garden club as well. But it just keeps growing, and it's amazing to watch. And what I love about that, Kayla, is that a lot of our students would never have those opportunities. Many of those students don't have those kind of materials at home or those opportunities for those lessons. And the world we're opening up for them is just amazing. I 100% agree, Kristen. Um, I'll be honest, it's hard sometimes staying late after school with a club. But I have a few students that they don't have this at home. And they're and it's a struggle for them and they love it. It's what they look forward to the week and that's what pushes, I think, all of us as teachers to keep doing and going with everything we do is for those individuals. Have you noticed more buy-in from the staff as you've continued to implement these projects? Because I know sometimes that's where, you know, it's the biggest challenge is getting others to buy in. That's a very good question. I do see it. It's a slow process because it's a lot of teachers see it. Some some teachers see it as one more thing in the curriculum. But I'm noticing a lot of them are seeing the reactions of their students and seeing how happy and excited they are. And they are seeing those skills that we talked about of the collaboration piece of real life problem solving skills that they need. And a lot of teachers are jumping on the train they're joining in on that and many are going off and doing things on their own and they'll just send me a quick text or comment in the hallway hey I'm doing the stem challenge oh okay let me come by and get pictures 
I mean, it was all completely on their own, too. That's awesome. A few years ago, it was probably, I think, the summer of 2021, and the district rolled out Camp Extra. Uh, instead of saying, like, hey, we're having summer school, they did Camp Extra, and teachers were kind of allowed not free reign, but more freedom to choose. And most of them did STEM activities. They were making pizzas. Mm-hmm. They, I know I was at one of the school at Ray Allen in the library and we made ice cream in the library, but don't tell the Ray Allen librarian that. (laughs) (laughs) Kidding. She'd probably love it. We love things like that. So, well, before we start wrapping up, do we have any final thoughts? Maybe Hugh, you want to kind of tell us anything that's coming up for the future of TISD STEM? Um, Yeah. I mean, there's, we've just got, I would be looking for more probably community events. um, Also, stronger partnerships taking place, which we've we've kind of seen start to happen, especially here at KP or our pilot campuses like Thornton and Meredith. But just those those are really, I think, going to lead to so much more for all of the campuses in Temple. You know, whenever we have these people that are reaching out from local industries and Temple College and that want to support this work, I think that's where a whole lot of the momentum is going to stay. Right. Um, so yeah, I would just be looking for more community events, more um, uh, actual, you know, alignment with the curriculum, because that's already starting to happen. And so you'll probably see more math and science teachers embracing it in the next few years, which is good. Um, TEA is doing a lot of that work of making engineering and computer science a big part of the TEKS. And so I think that'll naturally occur. But Temple, I think, is a little bit ahead of the curve on that, since we've already embraced STEM the way that we have. I would agree. I think it's been a place that um, it's been able to grow and foster organically, but then also with support. Yeah. So before we go, librarians, do you have any questions for each other or our guests? I don't know. I'm just really excited to go back to school and motivate our kids to do more stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but it's also fun that they get so excited. So, you know, in, in the library, I always have some kind of literary element, obviously. Um, but then when I get done, I was like, okay, here's our activity. And they start coming in the library. What's our activity today? Yeah. What are we going to do today? And I'm like, well, let me tell you. Yeah. So that has been really exciting. Um, I also will link something I forgot to talk about. It was through the Smithsonian Institute, and they have something called the Smithsonian um, Science Stories. So um, oh, cool. That's just a really great way. We kind of touched on that just very briefly about telling the stories of, you know, some of these scientists and things that go on. Um, I know Kayla and I collaborated on a resource list, and I now have a STEM label that I put on my books and a STEM section. So that's another way the kids can kind of access those materials very quickly. That's so awesome, Krista. I just want to – I think the great thing about this conversation, this episode, is – Maybe sometimes STEM gets kind of, you know, placed over here with science and math. Mm-hmm. And it's and it's sort of in this corner away from literacy. But what's cool is we're sitting here with three librarians talking about how it is integral to what y'all do. Absolutely. And um, that's what I love about this conversation that we've had today is that literacy is a huge part of what they're doing when they're solving problems and designing and engineering and doing those things so just communication in general that's right and learning communication through the stories communication through their you know hands-on activities so absolutely well we have loved having guests today Um, i can say that for myself ladies yes it's very fun added a new dynamic (laughs) thank you all so much for coming 
All right. So that's going to wrap up our third episode of the book cart. Um, Join us next time when we're going to be talking about clubs in our schools. So we'll be talking a little bit more about our STEM clubs, but some other um, activities and organizations that we have. And you'll also be able to hear from some of our students. So until then, uh, thanks for meeting us at the book cart.